The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of the station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre-recorded earlier this week. The Everyday Wealth Radio Show and Podcast are produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Ms. Chatsky and Ms. O'Brien are not employees or clients of the firm. They receive fixed cash compensation for acting as hosts in related activities and therefore have an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see everydaywealth.com. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm Ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory records, staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use in distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien, personal finance expert Gene Chatsky, and Edelman Financial Engine's wealth planner John McCafferty. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky, Soledad O'Brien, and John McCafferty. We are quickly approaching the holiday season, too quickly for some of us, uh, but that means good things. Time uh, in the holiday with your family and your friends and gifts and food and shopping and scams and people trying to take your money because that's what happens according to the FBI. Every year, thousands and thousands of people become victims of scams that specifically happen around the holidays. Scammers obviously can rob you of your hard-earned money, your personal information, can really wreck a festive mood. So today we're going to talk about what you can look out for and how to protect yourself against scams. Hi, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and I'm here with Gene Chatsky and Edelman Financial Engines planner, John McCafferty. You know, Soledad, so many people are aware of the fact that they should be watching out for this. There there was a, a study from TransUnion, one of the three major credit bureaus, that, that showed that 54% think that they should be concerned about being victims this holiday season. That's up pretty significantly, up 17% from last year. And when you look at the stories in the news, you can see why. Um, there was one woman who got scammed out of almost $25,000. She she got a, a fraud alert, a supposed fraud alert in this case, um, by text message um, with the real Chase Bank phone number. And that's usually something that is not there, right? Usually it's a fake phone phone number. And then the the impersonator called her and asked her to help him with an internal investigation of employees, asked her to share her screen, and from there got her to wire money to a man in India that he was pretending to target. And she sent the money because she thought she was helping, but it was a scam. She could not get it back. The bank says they can't issue her a credit because she was there. She approved that transaction. They're just getting better at this every day. Yeah, because people are used to doing these transactions completely online and doing it with somebody who's absolutely faceless. I get why people fall for them. 36% of Americans have fallen victim to an online shopping scam. And obviously, during the holidays when you're used to dealing with bigger sums of money and dealing with spending every single day, it doesn't really surprise me that criminals target right now for those folks who they think they can scam. And they know so much about us. And for that, I blame social media. We put so much information about ourselves out there personally that it's not 
all that surprising that then that information is turned and used to target us specifically. John, I know a lot of people turn to online brokerages to invest money, and I can appreciate that that is a good solution for some people. Personally, I've always valued having a personal relationship with my advisor when it comes to my finances, because while nothing is 100% foolproof or scam-proof, it does feel like another line of defense when you actually know the person who is reaching out to try and get information and, and they know you. Having a relationship really matters. One in three Americans admit to taking more risk with online transactions. So when we work with our clients, we speak with them. We're not going to just send people money without verifying that it is them, that they are the account owners, that you know, we verify the, the dollar amounts and so on. And if you're not doing that, I would strongly recommend you start doing that or align with financial professionals where you have an actual relationship or you're at least interested in, in developing one because technology is increasing, fraudsters are getting very good at what they're doing, and there's a lot of vulnerable people out there. There's two types of scams, general scams, according to the FBI, because they track all this stuff. And um, the two most prevalent over the holidays are the non-delivery scam and the non-payment scam, which are actually very well described in their titles, right? The non-delivery scam. You pay for something and it is not delivered. Uh, the items are never received. And the non-payment scam means that, you know, someone ships something and then, of course, the, the seller uh, is never paid. Take a guess at the, uh, you know, the, the amount of money that this costs people. Anybody want to throw out a number? I, I don't know. $200 million. It's $337 million. I mean, think about it, a third of a wow. billion dollars. I just find those numbers when it comes to these kinds of crimes absolutely staggering. And just a couple of additional scams to tuck away, in particular for the holiday season, those gift card scams. Some scammers actually collect information from gift cards that are sold at stores, so then they can activate the, the cards themselves and use the money that you've loaded onto them. And if you've ever tried to return one of these gift cards that you've loaded money onto, you know it's impossible. You just can't do it. So um, be very careful there. Also, there are a lot of charity scams um, brewing, and, and these always make me kind of sad because scammers send emails, they make phone calls, they pose as representatives for different charities and make the email or the call look like it's coming from a real place. And they use that to steal your money. Um, and then there's the whole big wide field of, of identity theft, which it, it costs Americans $56 billion, billion with a B, in, in 2021. Almost 50 million people were victimized. So, Gene, kids are being much more likely to have their identity stolen than adults, which I, if I had to guess, I would have said exactly the, the opposite, that, well, you know, kids' identities are much safer and, and the adults who are doing 
much more shopping and online in a bigger way, maybe, would be much more at risk. Why is that the case? I think the thing that we have to understand is there's a difference between identity theft and credit card fraud. So you're, I think you're totally right. Adults are the ones who have credit cards. They're the ones who are going to be very likely to have their credit card swiped, the number used. The thing about credit card fraud is it's very easy to shut down, and you have pretty much zero liability as a consumer. You call your credit card company. You say this happened. They say don't pay the bill. They investigate a little bit, but you're done. Identity theft is much more pernicious, right? It gets in there and it can mess you up for years. And the reason that it messes kids up is that we assign kids social security numbers at birth these days. And those social security numbers are the keys to the kingdom, right? That's the information that you need to steal somebody's identity. But while we as um, adults have gotten into the habit of checking our credit, checking our credit reports to see if there's anything fraudulent going on there. We don't even think to do that for our kids because they shouldn't even have a credit report. In fact, if they have a credit report, it's a very bad sign that they have been a victim of identity theft. And so my best advice is you should freeze your credit and you should freeze your kid's credit. And a parent can freeze the credit for any child up to age 16. It's really easy. You make a series of phone calls or go online and and do a series of tasks to do the freezing with TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, the three major credit bureaus. Um, takes 15 minutes. People wonder if there is a downside. The only downside is that If your credit is frozen, nobody, not even you, can access credit in your own name. And if you want to apply for a new credit card or a loan, you have to go in, lift the freeze, and then put it back down. I've done this so many times because my credit has been frozen for years. Literally takes 15 minutes. So if you, you know, if you haven't done it, freeze your credit. Yeah, there's also a, a password you have to remember too, Gene. I know people love uh, all these passwords we have to remember today. Yeah, you're right. And if you lose that password, it is a total pain, yeah. right? Yeah. So put it in right. a drawer. So an alternative to a credit freeze could be placing a fraud alert where you contact the, the same credit reporting agencies that Gene referenced. And rather than freezing your credit, I'm not saying don't do that, but an alternative would be to place a fraud alert where you basically put uh, you flag your credit report, and so if there are transactions that are atypical, these credit reporting agencies and the retailers need to call you. So there are alternatives. John, you make a really great point, and thank you for joining us today. Up next, we're going to switch gears. We recently spoke with a listener who had a question about RMDs and qualified charitable donations. Isabel Barrow, a wealth planner with Edelman Financial Engines, is going to help out with a potential solution. You're listening to Everyday Wealth. I'm Jean Chatsky, along with Soledad O'Brien. We'll be right back after this short break. In today's volatile market, you might be tempted to sit things out, thinking, I'll just wait until the market calms down. Talk to an Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner to learn more about the risks of market timing and other potentially costly mistakes. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to get connected. One of our favorite things to do on the show is to talk to listeners about what's going on in their own personal economies. So if you have a question you'd like to talk to us about, 
on the air. Just visit planefe.com, click on the Everyday Wealth page, and you'll be able to submit your question to us. So this week, we have a great opportunity to talk to Bernie in West Palm Beach, Florida, which, as you guys know, is my pretty much favorite place to be when it gets a little chilly here uh, in the Northeast, and it's now chilly here in the Northeast. Bernie, we were discussing charitable giving and legacy just in a past show. So this is a perfect time to talk about your question. But first, I need to know, what's the temperature today in West Palm? Is it, <laughs> is it perfect? Oh, you're, you're seeing the fur coats outside. It's so 75. 60, 69. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the fur coats are in full display. That's why I love warm weather when it's cold here in the Northeast. So, Bernie, thank you for calling. Before we get into any of your details. I want you to first just pose your question, and then we're going to follow up with some more questions to ask you so we can get a little bit more insight about your situation. But what's your question? Well, I'll be 72 years old next year, 2023. So I'll be sporting a nice uh, bullseye (laughs) on my back by the IRS since I will be requiring to have RMDs or require minimum distributions. So my wife and I are alumni of the University of Chicago. So we were thinking about donating up to uh, $100,000 on my behalf because I'm older than 70 and a half to as a QCD or qualified charitable donation to see if that can minimize the tax bite by the IRS caused by the RMD. Our goal is to minimize the liabilities with the IRS so our nest egg can grow as much as possible so we can leave the best gift we can give to our beloved school when we pass away. So Isabel, what do you think? Well, first of all, I want to give Bernie a hug because this is a great thing to do, not only from a tax perspective, but also because, you know, you're you're donating quite a bit of money to charity. But I think it's a big number, right? It's it's my, it's kind of eye-popping, a $100,000 donation. So I, I, my first question would be for Bernie is, are you sure you can afford it? Yes. Well, the, my IRA is around one and a half million dollars and that I don't anticipate changing too much by December 31st. That's how the RMD will be based for next year. And, uh, yes, I was planning, uh, of course, with the agreement of my wife donating every year a hundred thousand dollars to my beloved University of Chicago. We have other vehicle, I mean, other investments in our nest egg, yes. So I would like to do it every every year. Okay, so that's the key here, is that this is one piece of a much larger puzzle as it relates to your, per, you know, your, your overall investment situation. 
And backing up here, you said it was about a million and a half dollars. So I'm figuring at 72, your required minimum distribution is in the, ball, let's say, ballpark $60,000. So you're actually looking at giving a QCD above and beyond what your required minimum distribution is. And that's why I wanted to take a pause there and just make sure that you can afford it because now you're talking about, you know, six, seven, eight percent of your IRA that you're going to be donating out on an annual basis. So it's a pretty lofty goal. $100,000 a year on a one and a half million dollar IRA. Okay. Well, with no market returns, that's about 15 years and that IRA would be pretty much, you know, done. But if you're saying there's other pots of money from which you're living off of, you're investing, you know, then I think we can move on to now having the conversation about how does that QCD work for you, right? So independent of your own personal financial situation, which I think is, is good or you're in good shape, even with these donations, let's, let's talk about the QCD and what that means, how it works, like what is it going to do for you? It sounds like Bernie and maybe... Bernie, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you want to give the anesthesiology department as much as possible. So as you answer this question, Isabel, I'm, I'm wondering about pulling so much out so quickly as opposed to pulling it out a little more slowly and letting the money grow. We feel comfortable of donating the max 100000 because we have other income vehicles to meet our budgetary needs. And in our living trust, uh, it's very specific that this money that we're going to donate yearly to the University of Chicago will go to the Department of Anesthesia of that university. Got it. So we're really just thinking about what's the best way to maximize our tax efficiency, given we want to go ahead and donate this million and a half dollar IRA to the University of Chicago Department of Anesthesiology. So that's really good context. Let me let me just, for those of you listening who don't really understand exactly how a QCD works or all the ins and outs of it, I'm just going to just kind of take us through the high level here. Um, and I also want to talk, Bernie, about your situation and what are some you know, if it's a QCD or what are some other alternatives and we can kind of work through what's the best way to handle this. But um, how a QCD works is essentially anyone who's age 70 and a half or older gets an amount up to $100,000 that they are able to take out of their IRA every single year and donate it directly to a charity without having that now count for income for them. So, you know, normally... You take money out of an IRA and every dollar you take out is taxable as income, at least in the, in, you know, a, a non-Roth IRA. And in this case, you're taking money out and it's not taxable to you at all, right? It's going directly to the charity. So it's great. It means that if you're not somebody who itemizes your deductions, you're getting to take $100,000 out of your IRA and not pay any tax on it and give it to a charity. Some key points here, it doesn't matter how much your RMD is, right? So if your RMD, like Bernie, I think your RMD is about 60, well, you know, in the ballpark of 60,000, you can still take up 100,000. So, you know, you can take more than what your RMD is. And that did not used to be the case. So that's sort of rule change in the last couple of years. So for those who want to make donations, they also want to avoid having to potentially be in a higher tax bracket when they're taking RMDs because 
Medicare premiums or they have other income from, from, you know, other sources that are pushing them into a higher tax bracket. Well, a QCD is a great way to avoid some of the uh, pitfalls of number one, if you're not itemizing, you're not taking a deduction, right? And if you are itemizing, you may be limited in how much of a deduction you can take if you're donating stock or cash, you know, you're limited at somewhere between 20 or 30% to maybe 60% of how much of your adjusted gross income you can offset with a charitable donation. So if you're donating a lot of money, you might be limited in taking that in any one year. But with the QCD, you can give that 100000 and it doesn't impact your income for that year. So it's a great strategy, I think, for you, Bernie. And in fact, you have you said you have you're married, Bernie, right? And your wife was also an alumni. Yes, she is. Okay, your wife can also do. Is she seventy and a half or older? She is sixty eight. Okay. So she for the next four years she she won't be required to take RMDs. Okay, so this doesn't apply yet for you, but when she does reach seventy and a half. She also has a QCD that, you know, if she has an IRA and you want to do this for her IRA as well, as a couple, you each get to take that 100,000 QCD. So that's kind of cool too. So overall, what is the QCD doing for you? It's giving you the ability to gift a large amount of money in any one year, not pay taxes on it and take money out of your IRA to reduce future required minimum distributions. It has to be done before December 31st of the year in which you have that required minimum distribution in order to also meet your RMD rules. So you're kind of killing two birds in one stone in this case, right? There are some other strategies though. And so I think it might be kind of interesting to to talk through those a little bit as well. When you're talking about other strategies, Isabel, are you thinking about potentially growing this pool of money so that he can give away more. I mean, I like the idea of, look, I I love the idea, Bernie, of giving away a million and a half dollars. I think that's fantastic. But what if the money could grow and you could give away two million? So then, Gene, are you you saying you take that $100,000 out, but you put it in a a donor advised fund like we talked about the other day? It starts to grow in that fund. The University of Chicago's anesthesiology department isn't getting it yet, but you're you're taking it out. Does that count as the as, as, as a QCD? Still? You no, know, it doesn't. It's so a good question. Yeah, but I was question. actually thinking about what if instead of pulling the hundred thousand out, I mean, Bernie, you sound like you're a very young, healthy guy. What if you, <laughs> what if you yeah. pulled <laughs> seventy one? Yeah, very. You no, know, I'm, I'm healthy. And young, you're right. Uh, I am right. The, yes. Every year we think, just of, very we think of our 70s as younger and younger and younger. So what I was thinking, Isabel, was what if Bernie pulled out the RMD? What if he gave away the RMD but then left a little bit more money in the IRA where it could continue to compound, grow tax-free? Would that be a way to give away more over time, just giving the account itself room, room and years to grow? Well, I think it would because, you know, considering that now he's leaving more money in the IRA, yes. And so, you know, eventually he might be at $100,000 for his required minimum distribution anyways. And so this is a moot point. But yes, it would allow him to potentially give more to the university over time. But 
couple of things. Like, what if Bernie still wants to continue to give $100,000 a year, but we want to think about what are some other strategies to do so in a way that might be even more tax efficient for Bernie? So, Oh, you have those? I do. Well, so so for example, <laughs> right? So Bernie gives, let's, again, I'm, I'm ballparking his RMD at 60000 So he gives 60000 as a QCD. So now there's no impact on his taxes. It doesn't help him. It doesn't hurt him because he's not taking a deduction, but he doesn't have to pay tax on his RMD. So that's a good thing. Now, Bernie has another portfolio. He said his his trust. What if in his trust account, he also has some low basis stock, right? So what if Bernie has some, some or some holdings, mutual funds, doesn't matter what it is. He's got investments that have grown and are, are have earned money, right? So now let's say Bernie takes those shares to make up the other $40,000 that he wants to give to his charity and he donates those low basis shares. So he's still giving the charity 40000 He's now getting a deduction for 40000 and he's not paying capital gains tax. So when you're looking at your entire portfolio, that has to be relevant in the context of your charitable donations. Because in this case, I think that that might actually be more tax efficient for Bernie than giving the entire 100000 out of out of his IRA. Now, again, I think there is also an estate planning component. It sounds like, Bernie, that you said, like, I've, I've earmarked this money for University of Chicago. So that's fine. You know, if that's kind of how you're, you structurally set it up that you say, this money is for them and that's it. And then the other money is what I'm going to draw off of in my pot to live on. But I would argue that if you're a state attorney and your CPA and your financial planner, we're all talking to each other. We might agree, or they might, they may agree that, um, you know, thinking about kind of splitting it up might work also, or even give you a little bit of a better tax benefit. What do you think, Bernie? Sounds like a good idea to talk to my CPA, financial planner, and an estate attorney. The, the other question I had is, will a QCD reduce our AGI, our adjusted gross income? It won't reduce your AGI because, again, you're not, you're not counting it as, as anything, really, right? That, that money goes out of your IRA, and it's not counted as either a deduction or as income. But it is reducing what would have been your taxable income because you were going to have to pay tax on that required minimum distribution. So, you know, if you didn't do the QCD, you'd be paying tax on the $60,000 that you were taking out as the required minimum distribution. And so in, you know, I guess in a sense, you could say, yes, it's reducing your taxable income because it's what would you otherwise have been faced with? But from where you are today, 2022, that's not going to make a difference. Isabel, do you find that a lot of people know about this possibility to give money directly out of an IRA and, and the benefits of doing this? I think that people in general kind of understand that it's an option, but the rules have changed a little bit. And it's, you know, it used to be that you couldn't, I mean, you had to be at 70 and a half and then it was, could only be what your RMD, the rules have changed. It's, it's a muddy area for a lot of people. And there are so many other ways to gift as well that a QCD is not always the, the, the number one thing they think of. You know, a lot of people give to charities and they just, without even thinking, they like, 
I'm going to write a check every month or I have it automatically deducted. You know, I, I signed up when I got something in the mail and it just comes off every month. And, and so they don't even think about it, but they may not, you know, if you're not itemizing your taxes, meaning you're just using a regular standard deduction and you don't have enough through charitable donations or, or whatever to write it off you're not maybe getting the full tax benefit that you could get if you were doing something, if you were donating instead through a QCD, right? Sending the money directly out of your IRA. Or if you give a little bit every year, you can also instead put money into a donor advice fund. I know we've talked about that on the show as well. You can bunch it all together in one year. Like I'm going to take this money, I'm going to put it into my donor advised fund. I'm going to get a deduction for it. And then I'm going to, you know, parcel it out over time to my various charities. That's a pretty easy thing to do, honestly. I mean, I know it, it doesn't seem like it because it's another account, but when you take into account the tax benefit you're getting, I think that um, it'll be well worth well worth your time, or it could be depending on, on how much you're giving. So QCD is one piece, but there are, there are just so many different ways to do it. And it's also important to note that when you're doing a QCD, Soledad, you asked a question if you could combine a QCD and a donor advised fund. No, you can't. Money from a QCD has to go directly to a qualified charity. So, you know, 501c3 um, qualified charity, and it can't go into a, a donor advised fund. And you also have to make sure the charity can accept your QCD, that they can, you know, they're willing to, I mean, who's not willing to accept it, right? If you're a charity, but <laughs> you have to double check and make sure and where is it going and, you know, make sure that, you know, it's all of, all of it is working. And really importantly, you've got to tell your CPA that you did that because if you don't, you know, you may still be paying taxes on it without realizing it because it hasn't been recorded as a QCD and instead it was just listed as an IRA distribution. It's really good advice and it's also uh, more complicated um, than it might seem at, at first blush. Bernie, thank you so much for your question. We love having you on the show and I love that you're uh, thinking about your uh, alma mater. Thank you for talking with us. We appreciate it. It's important to note that everyone's financial situation is unique and what may work for some people may not work for everyone. So be sure to discuss your personal situation with a professional. Uh, Bernie, don't be surprised if Isabel and I knock on your door. The days are getting much colder up here. We've got to take a quick break, everyone. But if you have a question and you want to talk with us on the air like Bernie, just visit planefe.com. Click on the Everyday Wealth page. Isabel, thanks so much for helping us out with Bernie's question. Coming up next, Jason Cowens, another EFE wealth planner, joins us here to talk about gift giving that does a little more this holiday season. I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien. You're listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth. Stay with us. It's no secret the market's been volatile, and now we're hearing talk of the R word, recession. With all this uncertainty, one thing's clear. It's a great time to talk to an experienced wealth planner. At Edelman Financial Engines, we'll show you smart steps you can take in today's market and mistakes to avoid. Move forward with confidence. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to connect with a wealth planner. That's 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. Did you know that more than one in four people say they're going to spend less on holiday gifts this year in comparison to last year? About half say because of rising prices and a weak economy, Santa's even going to be a little less generous this year. And yet research has shown 
Americans are still giving. It's one of the things that I love about this country, particularly around the holidays, even when it means that we are cutting back a little bit on our own gift lists. In order to do it, we're opening our wallets for charities and the causes that we care about. I'm in the process of working through some of the gifting I'll be doing this year. Some of it will be charitable giving. Some will be giving gifts from companies whose missions and values I align with. And some will be gifts that promote further learning. Soledad, I know this is something that you are passionate about as well. Are there organizations that have caught your eye? Oh, so many, so many. In the past, I have um, I've given a cow. I gave a heifer. I gave it in someone's name because I wanted to give a gift, right, but also have it be a gift that had a sort of second use, obviously. Um, and that was Heifer International, and I had a really good experience. And then they send you notes about your cow. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I never really saw the cow, so I'm just going to take somebody's word for it. Uh, but that was really fun. And then, of course, Donors Choose is a, is a really great um, organization that allows you to really search a bunch of teachers' requests for their classroom and it's it it's such a nice thing I think to be connected to a, a class where they say we need you know twelve headphones for the kids to be able to do quiet reading or we need to be able you know something like this or the other and I think that's a really nice way to help out a very specific person around a very specific ask and so off the top of my head those would be two that I would pick are there ones that you love. Well, I've supported Donors Choose as well. It really bothers me every time I read these stories about teachers who we know are not paid enough Mm. coming out of pocket to pay for the supplies in their own classrooms, which they do so often they get a tax deduction for it. And and so I, I, I like Donors Choose as well. There are a lot of companies that have put their mission right out front these days and and companies like like Bombas and I got to say love my Bomba running socks you know for every pair that you buy or or the underwear or the t-shirt cuz that's the business that they're in they they donate an item to a homeless shelter. Um, there are a lot of different um, businesses that are lined up with with St. Jude, right? And and William Sonoma, for example, has a St. Jude collection. They donate a percentage of the the proceeds. Love Your Melon is one that has caught my eye through the years. Um, they give away fifty percent of their profits um, if you buy a, a Love Your Melon beanie, and and they give. Um, this money to uh, organizations and families that are, are battling cancer. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, which is, I think, nice, but also really important to point out that if you are going down this road, you want to make sure that a a decent percentage of the purchase price is going to the organization, going to the mission, because sometimes it's such a slim amount. And always ask yourself, if this is an organization, if this is a cause that I really want to support, am I better off just writing a check rather than getting the stuff, making sure all of the money goes to the charity? These are just some examples of companies that have missions tied to a greater good. And while Soledad, Jason, and I may have personal experience with some of these, we're not endorsing these products or companies. You should, as always, do your own due diligence when it comes to supporting any organization. It's one of the reasons I like the Elephant Project, because they give 100% of the net proceeds, goes back to a dealing with you know poaching, which is horrible. And also, again, you get... 
a gift that you can give to someone. And I think it's a raise awareness type gift as well. And so I think it kind of checks a lot of boxes. You raise awareness, you give some money, you also give someone a, a, a cute toy and you kind of, you know, check, 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 you, you win across the board. I'm a financial person, and so I'm always in favor of giving gifts that help build for the future, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, you, if you've got people in your life that, that are saving for college, you can make a contribution to their 529 college savings account. Or if you've got a child who worked over the summer and didn't open a, a Roth IRA, even though they had that earned income, you could help them open an, a Roth IRA and fund it up to the level of, of income that they earned until you, you get to the max. Jason, I mean, this is something that I've done for my own kids. I've, I've helped them fund Roth IRAs when they haven't earned enough money to make those contributions. Do you hear about this? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I, I've done it for my own kids. And the way I look at it is it's, it is a great tool to teach your kids about money, mm-hmm. right? And in my experience... Every person I've ever talked to, they all say the same thing. I wish I'd started sooner, right? So by teaching our kids, by having that earned income, if they made $600, right? If you do a match of their earned income of $600 in that Roth IRA, you now have the ability to teach them, here's how money works, right? And as an old math teacher, I always have two easy examples when I'm talking to my clients' kids to talk about the power of compounding, right? The easiest one to teach them about is the rule of 72, Very, very fundamental rule that talks about if you want to know how long it takes for you to double your money, you simply take 72, for example, divided by 8%, it's going to take you nine years to double your money. So it's an easy way to explain to kids, here's how money works. But as my old math teacher mindset, kids are very visual. So I always like to ask the question, how much money do you think you'll have if a penny doubles every day for 30 days? Right? So it's, it's something tangible that they can see, right? And you ask them the questions, sometimes it's $100, sometimes it's $1,000. And if you walk them through, a penny becomes two, then four, then eight, then six. It ends up being $5.3 million at the end of 30 what? days. Right? Really? And it's the power of compounding. And that's a good, easy visual for kids to say, you know, 9%, 8% rate of return means nothing. But a penny doubling is a good visual to help teach them and educate them the power of compounding. I wish I'd been in your math class, man. That's amazing. I was I, I actually have heard of that, but I've never actually heard the answer to it. So I thought it was a nice chunk of money, but holy moly, that's a lot. Right. Wish I'd done that. Just 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 to put a bow on that Roth advice, if if you're thinking of doing it for a minor you got to know that the IRA has to be in the name of the minor as well as the name of the custodian. And if they're not a minor, you got to ask them to open the Roth IRA themselves, but you can give them the money to fund the account. And then, yeah, Jason, just tell them the penny story and uh, and they will be good to go. So, Jason, I mean, everything we've listed, I think we've tried to help point people in a direction to start searching or start thinking about but a lot of what you describe and a lot of what you describe your clients need from you is, is hand-holding and help. So if somebody says, you know what, actually going into 2023, I, I, I don't really have a person who, who I trust or who is helping me at all. Where can they go to get advice on how to think about their finances? Well, the easiest place to go to is reaching out to us, 833-PLAN-EFE or visiting our website, 
which is planefe.com. It is a great resource to at least get started. And if you need some help, right, again, if you're not going to get it to 2031 in Soledad with New Year's being your favorite time, it can be a great New Year's resolution. Yes, see? Let's get your financial house in order. Yes. Give us a call. Yes, yes, yes. I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you, Jason. We are out of time. But, of course, if you've got a question or if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to have you on the air. You can visit EverydayWealth.com to submit your question. And then, together with an EFE Wealth Planner, we'll talk through potential solutions that would be personal to you. And if you want to catch a show that you might have missed, you can always listen to our podcast. And often the podcast will have extra bonus content that we aren't able to air on the radio because of time. You can download our podcast at everydaywealth.com or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. We love feedback, so leave us a review. And take a sec and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien, Gene Chatsky, and Jason Cowens. Tune in each week for fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast. podcast.